0: Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Health Radio. Today I'm answering listeners' questions. I've received some really good ones and I'm gonna to try to cover as many as I can today, including what is the healthiest wine and is there any type of wine that you should avoid? The average cell phone contains 17,000 germs and a listener wants to know what's the best way to disinfect a cell phone. One person asks if there's a healthy hot dog option. What's a natural way to combat carpal tunnel syndrome? How the dust inside your house could be destroying your health. And somebody asks me to share my favorite guests of all time. And that's a toughie, but I actually do have a favorite. I'm going to share that with you today. Also, if you don't like the taste of things like cilantro, asparagus, or spinach, genetics could be to blame i'll tell you about that you have questions i have answers all this and more stay tuned it all starts now it's to your good health radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert dr david friedman changing lives just for the health of it all right, first I want to thank everyone out there that has sent in questions. Remember, if I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'll also include my best-selling audiobook, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you have any health-related questions or comments, you can reach out to me at Doctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. All right, let's get started. The uh, first question comes from... Diane Hudson from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Dr. Friedman, I've heard how great wine is for our health. Is there a specific type of wine that is considered the healthiest? Yes, there is. Drinking wine in moderation, that's the key. That's been shown to have many health benefits. And this includes lowering cholesterol levels, combating Alzheimer's disease, reducing the risk of heart disease and cancer. There's also research showing drinking wine can extend our lifespan. But not all wine is considered equal when it comes to the health benefits in general red wine is healthier better option compared when you look at white or sparkling wine and the main difference between white and red wine has to do with the color of the grapes used and whether the grape juice is fermented with or without the grape skin the seeds and the stems so to make white wine grapes are actually pressed and removed before fermentation. That's the difference. And red wine has way more antioxidants because the skin, seeds, and stem remain during the fermentation process. Red wine, it's higher in phytochemicals, which are compounds from plants, including resveratrol and quercetin. And these these two things have powerful antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. While alcohol drinks in general are known to harm the liver, as we all have heard, actually a polyphenol found in red wine called Illogic acid has been shown to improve the health of the liver. That tried right. actually improves the health of the liver, doesn't hurt it. White wine isn't as healthy, though, and has been recently linked to causing skin inflammation issues like rosacea. And consuming it can increase your risk of getting skin cancer compared to those who drink red wine. So if you drink white wine, you're more prone to skin cancer than drinking red wine. That was a pretty interesting study. So the saying that I live by is the redder, the better. Also, as a general rule, the drier the wine, the healthier it is. So sweeter wines tend to have less flavonoids, polyphenols, and other healthful compounds. So that said, the number one pick for the healthiest wine is, drumroll... Pinot Noir. It's actually by far the healthiest red wine and my number one choice. Pinot Noir has higher resveratrol concentration than any other red wine. And resveratrol is the compound that's been shown to improve heart health by lowering bad cholesterol and reducing high blood pressure. Some studies have actually suggested that it can improve brain health and insulin sensitivity. Research also shows that the resveratrol content in Pinot Noir may fight the negative effects of Alzheimer's, dementia, and other regenerative neurological illnesses. In addition, drinking moderate amounts of Pinot Noir may help reduce the risk of cancer. This is because clinical studies show that resveratrol contributes to cellular death of cancer cells wipes them out. Isn't that great when you're sipping your wine to know that? And Pinot Noir gets the seal of approval from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. They actually publish research showing how drinking small amounts of Pinot Noir regularly can raise levels of omega-3 fatty acids which help promote heart disease and aid in balancing the gut microbiome. Another benefit of Pinot Noir is it has a lower sugar content and fewer calories than other red wines. The worst wine, the one that's the worst worst offender that has the least health benefits is called Moscato and this is a sweet white wine loaded with lots of inflammatory sugar which gets broken down into fat. We don't want that. Moscato also causes more of a severe hangover than other wines. You're likely to wake up with, you know, more dizziness, throwing up and so forth if you do a night of Moscato. So there you have it. Remember, as I said, moderation is the key. The recommended daily serving of red wine is only 5 Ounces men they're actually able to metabolize wine better than females so they can go as high as about 10 ounces per day But females should stay about half that all right, Michelle Biggerson from Newport, Ritchie, Florida has a question I just listened to your segment called germs are our friends. It was an eye-opener You mentioned our cell phone contains 17,000 germs including E. Coli. Do you recommend a cleaner? I can use to sanitize my phone. Uh, thanks for the question, Michelle, and I'm so glad you enjoyed that podcast and uh, the answer is no. I don't recommend a cleaner for your cell phone, and that's the point of that segment was to really share how we need germs that we're exposed to each day to help us build our immunity. From our toothbrush that has germs on it, your cell phone to the ATM machine, to even those elevator buttons we push, we're exposed to over 60,000 germs on a daily basis. But don't panic. Germs are our friends. We need those germs. They help us build up our immunity. Everyone has become, you know, so germophobic over the years. Parents are even afraid to let their kids go out back and play in the dirt. Well, that dirt just so happens to be the best defense to building up a child's immune system. Research published by the International Journal of Science shows that kids that play in the dirt are much less predisposed to autoimmune diseases, asthma, hay fever, and eczema. Another study published in the Journal of the American Academy Academy of Pediatrics reveals that children who bite their nails and suck their thumbs are one-third less likely to develop allergies. This study shows really proof beyond reasonable doubt that we're exposed to germs early in life what happens it improves our immune system we grow stronger i saw another one that said foster children are actually healthier because they move from homes to homes they're exposed to more people more germs they experience more of that in their body than somebody who doesn't so i thought that was another interesting study you know the constant daily exposure to germs helps protect us from getting sick they don't get us sick they keep us from getting sick for example when americans visit mexico they're told not to drink the water, right? You've heard it, and the reason is the water in Mexico contains bacteria such as E. coli, cholera, and salmonella. Now, American tourists get sick when they drink the water because they're not used to it. But citizens of Mexico, they've been drinking the water their entire lives and their immunity, their system, is used to that bacteria. They've grown immune to it. And that's because people from Mexico build up a tolerance the more and more they're exposed. And the same goes for allergy shots. You know, they work just like a vaccine. Your body responds to injected amounts of a particular allergen given in small doses, and that's how you develop an immunity. So if you turn into a germaphobe and you don't get exposure to everyday germs, your immune system will eventually fail, making you more prone to getting sick. So, you know, during this viral outbreak, you know, I get it, just like during flu season, it's understandable that we need to cut back on handshaking and increase our hand washing habits. We do that during flu season as well. However, we can't live our entire life afraid of germs. Shaking hands or touching those 17,000 germs on your cell phone helps you to strengthen the immune system. And if you do end up among the less fortunate And you get sick, previous exposure to germs when you were healthy will give your body a better chance of bouncing back. That's so important. So to answer your question, I do not recommend you sanitize your cell phone every day. Don't just embrace it, touch it. You need those germs. All right, our next question comes from Charlena Minder from Huntington Beach, California. This question was sent to me through my Facebook group called Food Sanity Forum. If you're not a member of this forum and you'd like free access to some great daily nutrition and health news you can use, go to Facebook and search for the Food Sanity Forum. Be part of this wonderful culinary conundrum circle of friends. Okay, let's see. Charlena asks, Dr. Friedman, I have a weird question for you. Back in high school, in my health class, we had a teacher that passed out little pieces of paper and he said, we're going to find something out about you. Everybody put the piece of paper in their mouths and I was the only one in class that spit and screamed how awful it tasted. I would love to know what that was testing for. I have a sensitivity to certain foods like spinach and cilantro. Also, I can't stand the taste of beer or wine. It burns my mouth. You know, interesting question, Charlena. You know, that that was actually called a PTC paper test. That's short for phenyl theocarbamide. And it's often used as a genetic testing to actually study human traits. That's what it's used for. And some people experience a taste when the paper is placed on their tongue. But most people, as you discovered, do not. They don't taste a thing unlike you that was repelled by that taste. You know, people like you, they they can taste it. You actually have a name for it. They're called super tasters, which means you can taste certain flavors and foods more strongly than other people. Super tasters can actually have up to 50% more taste buds on their tongue than the average person. And scientists believe most supertasters have this unique gene they've discovered which increases Bitter perception, and the gene makes super tasters sensitive to bitter flavors in, in, in certain foods, and of course in alcoholic drinks, as you discovered as well. And only twenty percent of the population are considered to be super tasters, and it's mostly females. So super tasters, you know, are particularly sensitive to bitter flavors and foods. Uh, some can't have chocolate, you know, the dark chocolate because it's bitter alcohol. They're not fond of things like Brussels sprouts, broccoli, spinach. Coffee is another one that's bitter for them, and dark chocolate, as I mentioned. You know, cilantro to a super taster (laughs) is like kryptonite to their super-powered tongue, and most people... they they say cilantro tastes like soap to them it's just awful it's like being having your mouth washed out with soap like you just said a cuss word when you were a kid so yeah that's why you don't like cilantro most super tasters are very picky eaters and they tend to have a long list of foods they won't eat and they also tend to add a lot of salt to their food to cover up the bitterness in addition many of them avoid drinking alcohol because it's too harsh for those sensitive taste buds so now you know you have a superhuman tongue and you're considered a culinary super super tasting superheroes. You've actually got a superhero and sometimes it's not so super when you have to pick things from a menu. (laughs) Andy Foster, Davenport, Iowa is next. He says, Dr. Friedman, I love hot dogs, but I know they're bad for me. Is there any healthier type of hot dog that I can eat that's not made out of wheatgrass and tofu? Yes, Andy, you're right. First, I want to address that hot dogs are bad for you. You are right about that. Like many processed meats, they're linked to increased risks of health issues like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and higher mortality. In fact, hot dogs are classified as a group 1 carcinogen. What that means is they have the strongest evidence of being cancer-causing in people. Other things that fall into that same category include tobacco and asbestos. Yes, hot dogs are in that category, so no, they're not good for you. The International Agency of Research on Cancer conducted a review of over 800 studies from 10 different countries and concluded eating just one hot dog can increase your risk of colorectal cancer by 18%. And according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, only 54.5% of a hot dog must be actual meat. The definition of meat, and let me tell you what that can include, that includes animal parts like pig snouts and organs and intestines and skeletal muscle that's all part of that 54.5 percent that they call meat and to improve their shelf life now hot dog manufacturers had all kinds of other things like sodium nitrate and sodium erythrobate and and these have been linked to cardiovascular disease these are not good for you you know i remember reading a time magazine article a few years ago that exposed how hot dogs can also contain very strange and even dangerous things and this included like rubber bands and plastic and hair clumps, glass, razor blades, insects and buttons. It was an eye-opening article. It made me realize, hey, I'm glad I don't eat hot dogs. <laughs> That's another reason why. But there is a healthier hot dog option. That was your question. There's a company called Applegate Farms, and they make this really healthy alternative for those wanting a beef or a turkey hot dog because you don't want tofu or wheatgrass. You've got it. Go with the beef or hot dogs made out of turkey from this company. They come with the USDA-certified organic, uncured pasture raised grass-fed beef and pasture raised turkeys as well. And Applegate Farms uses no fillers, artificial ingredients, nitrates, antibiotics, growth hormones, or animal byproducts. There's my little unpaid commercial for Applegate Farms. You know what I like about it is the animals though you're mainly raised on sustainable family farms in a stress-free environment. That's important. And you can find Applegate Farms hot dogs pretty much most Grocery stores have them now. They're in Albertsons. I've seen them in Publix. Even Target carries them. So there you have it. That's a healthier hot dog. If that's the way you want to go, go with that one. Uh, Next, we go to Brenda Russ from Charlotte, North Carolina. See, Brenda wants to know, Dr. Friedman, I suffer from Candida yeast infection. I go on a cleanse diet, and within a few weeks, it always returns. Any suggestion? Yes, easy one. Toss away your toothbrush. Yeast thrives on the moist bristles, so no matter what diet or nutritional protocol you do, when you brush your teeth, you can reinfect yourself through the gums. So if you don't want to throw away your toothbrush every few days, which is the ideal way to do it, you can actually use a blow dryer on the bristles after you brush. Heat sanitizes your toothbrush. So while you are blow drying your hair, blow dry your toothbrush. And you want to do that, of course, in conjunction with your Candida cleanse and your nutritional protocols, and I'll tell you what, you're going to see much, much better lasting results. Alright, Dan Gibbs from Nashville, Tennessee writes, I have carpal tunnel syndrome from being at my computer for 8 hours a day. Any suggestions? Yes. Take vitamin B6, 100 milligrams per day, and this actually helps reduce inflammation in the wrist. Also eat watermelons and pineapples. Watermelons act as a diuretic and will reduce inflammation in the wrist. and. Pineapples are great because they contain an anti-inflammatory enzyme called bromelain. If you don't like pineapples or if you need to avoid them because of their sugar content, you can actually go to the uh, health food store and you can get bromelain supplements that are in a capsule form. So that's another way to get that if you're not a fan of, of pineapple or if it's too sweet. Another thing you can do is put your hand in ice water for about 10 minutes and then put it in warm water for 10 minutes and with the warm water and what this does is ice removes the inflammation and heat brings in fresh new healing blood so ice first heat last for about 10-15 minutes each. It's kind of like getting an oil change of the wrist and the hands which and I I've recommended this for cheese three decades for patients and man it works do this twice a day you'll see some great results all right Susan Collins Raleigh North Carolina has a question See, Doc, I've been a long-time listener and always learned so much from your segments. I'm curious, after all the years you've been doing the show, who is your favorite guest? Now, I'll tell you, that's a question I've not been asked before, so that's interesting. But, you know, it's kind of like asking a parent who their favorite child is. You know, I've really enjoyed interviewing everybody. I've enjoyed people from, you know, that are like-minded like me, and I've also enjoyed and embraced guests that have differences of opinion. In fact, that's what inspired me to write my book, Food Sanity, was all the differences of opinion, but I embraced it. I loved it. It fueled me to learn more and to rise above and find answers. So I I always tell people, I remain a full-time student, and I welcome to the show, new opinions and theories and science that maybe I don't know about or believe in because I'm open-minded. What I believe today to be true, 10 years ago, I was a different person. So what's to say I'm right now? Maybe there's changes I need to make in my mind, in my spirit, so I I accept all that. So it really makes it difficult for me to choose my favorite when it comes to all the health experts I've interviewed because I really love them all. But when it comes to celebrity interviews, I would have to put William Shatner at the top of my list. This guy, folks, he's almost 90 years old. He has more energy than most people that are half his age. He still acts, he writes books, he records, he does speaking engagements, and he goes horseback riding. In fact, when I was talking to him, he was on his cell phone heading to the horse range to go horseback riding. And I asked him, when we chatted, I said, what's your secret to having such a happy and prosperous life? And he told me his two secrets. He said, first, always say yes to opportunities that come your way. Stop using the excuses. Oh, I'll start January 1st, or when the kids go off to college, or after I get my next promotion, blah, 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 blah. What you want to do is you want to start saying yes to life. If you want to break out of your routine and get off your boring hamster wheel, do new things. Don't be afraid to step outside your box and try something unusual or different. That's why I like different people coming on the show. I strive. I don't want to interview a bunch of Dr. Friedman's. I want differences. I embrace that. You know, people, they tend to fall into this routine. They hang out with the same people, and it's a stagnancy, and they go to the same restaurants, and they they do the same things. So I really resonated with William Shatner's outlook on life and... My view is this, a ship moving at sea won't develop barnacles, but a stagnant ship at dock Well, we need to constantly be moving in life. And like I said, that means hanging out with new people, being open, trying new things, not eating at the same restaurant all the time, ordering the same menu item. Oh my God, so many of you do that. Also, when a door closes in life, we need to be willing to open up a new window of opportunity. And Shatner's second secret to happiness and prosperity is, give to others. Doing good deeds for others is what keeps him wanting to wake up tomorrow and start a new day. I love when I heard that from him. And, you know, William Shatner keeps his schedule filled with charity events, and he gives back to those that are less fortunate. And this could be anything from supporting a charity, can help out at a soup kitchen, or just assisting maybe that neighbor next door that's in need. Just find a way to do good deeds for others. And he told me he always schedules speaking engagements for charity events months in advance, so he can't die. He's locked into a commitment, and when his schedule's not full, he's going to die. So he keeps his schedule full, so he looks forward to tomorrow, and I love that, you know. And think about it. When was the last time you did a good deed for someone? You know, I was at, I'll share one thing. I was at a restaurant about a week ago, and there was a single mother there with three children and one of the kids asked for blueberry pancakes and I overheard the mom saying mommy can't afford those I already told you and your brother you guys are gonna have to share the same thing on a kids menu and this little boy sat in the chair and he pouted and you know I, I overheard this and I told the waitress to bring them blueberry pancakes and I would be taking care of their entire meal but I asked the waitress I said keep it anonymous please and don't let her know it was me and man folks you should have seen that kid's face light when those blueberry pancakes arrived and the tears of joy that formed in the mother's eye when she found out a total stranger had paid for their meal. You know, doing good deeds for others, it gives you this warm and fuzzy feeling inside. And there's actually research shows it can extend your life. There have been actually two major studies that showed people that volunteer to help others live longer than those that don't volunteer. So if you missed my interview with William Shatner, you can listen to that Replay Everywhere podcast or heard, including to your good health and of course radiomd.com. And thanks for that question, Susan. Very interesting question, and thanks for being a loyal listener. We have time for one more question. Let's go to Myra Kennedy from Salt Lake City, Utah. How does dust get into a house when the doors and windows are always closed? Hmm, that's a great question. And you know, first common sources of outside dust. I mean, that's easy. That includes the dirt, the sand, the pollen, and pollution. But indoors, common sources of dust actually include dead skin and hair cells from humans and carcasses from dust mites as well as worn down bits of clothing and furniture. See, dust is unavoidable even if you lock all the doors and windows because all solids slowly wear down over time. Dust has been linked to lower immune system and it may contribute to allergies, asthma, bronchitis, heart and lung disorders. And during this social distancing phase, you know, many officials, they've recommended people should stay inside their homes and actually, folks, staying indoors, binge watching TV means breathing in dirt, dust and dander which can create more airborne attachments for bacteria and viruses. And this dirty air can weaken our immune system, making us more prone to the coronavirus contamination. And according to the Environmental Protection Agency, the air inside our home is up to five times more polluted the air outside in recent years comparative risk studies performed by the epa have consistently ranked indoor air pollution among the top five enmi- environmental risks to public health and the epa warns us that indoor air makes people more prone to sinus infections cough asthma and other respiratory illnesses well think about it since covid 19 primarily affects the lungs It makes common sense that breathing in fresh air into our lungs would help, right? Common sense, forget the signs. That's kind of common sense. And evidence from previous outbreaks of similar coronaviruses show people exposed to indoor air are at a greater risk of dying. Actually, scientists who studied the SARS coronavirus outbreak in 2003 found that infected patients from regions with higher air pollution were 84% more likely to die than those in less polluted areas. Social distancing yourself six feet away from somebody that might be infected indoors is far riskier than being separated from that same person six feet away from you outdoors. Now, you can minimize dust inside by doing, you know, a few things you can do. One is, Go with hardwood floors if you can instead of carpet and frequently wash places where dead skin accumulates like you know the bed sheets and blankets and pillows and couches loaded with dust. Regularly wipe down furniture that's important the frames and the fixtures using moist paper towels and mop and vacuum the floors regularly because dust builds up on there and then it gets on your shoes your feet and you break it into other rooms so you can actually get a high quality electric air filter that traps dust that's another option and once one thing also is take off your shoes and coats when entering the house. Take them off. Leave them up front. Don't bring them inside. All right, another one bites the dust. This edition of Ask the Doctors come to an end, and thanks again everybody for the wonderful questions. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, email me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. If I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'll also include my audiobook, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you want to stay up to date with my latest articles and videos and podcasts, go to drdavidfriedman.com and while there, be sure and sign up for my free newsletter. You'll get all the latest health news you can use sent directly to your inbox. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard me share something today that can benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at to yougoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And check out our podcast library, especially William Shatner. And another one you might want to check out, Andy Griffin, another great interview. And Share all these segments with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. Uh, sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts here, uh, here and also, iHeartRadio and iTunes. Stay with us, more to come, and stay tuned and stay well.